Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fifth season, we are looking at Joe Johnston's 2011 film, Captain America, The First Avenger. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, and I can spell! (laughs) Today, we're talking about Minute 55, which begins with Colonel Phillips reminding Steve that he knows how to spell, and ends with Colonel Phillips starting to reprimand Agent Carter. Ah, Colonel Phillips. We got a lot of him in this minute. And back on the show to talk about uh, Colonel Phillips with us, uh, sadly, for the last time this season, uh, it's Travis Bowe and Robin Burge. Hello. Now I'm sad. <laughs> I can do this all week. Wait, <laughs> they, we they, you, this? <laughs> you did. You I can, I can do this all next week. We this <laughs> as well. <laughs> Well, we get to have a wonderful conversation about Phillips in the tent here. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it, generally it is a conversation between uh, Steve and Phillips, but um, but you know, Peggy's here too. She gets to react, I guess. Uh, how does this play for the two of you? I, th- right at the beginning of the minute, you know, after Phillips says "I can spell," and he kind of stops Steve in his tracks. Uh, is that a moment of compassion from Phillips? What is what are we getting from that there as he kind of stops to actually respond to Steve? There's definitely some genuineness from Colonel Phillips in this minute. You know, the feeling sorry that he did recognize the name and you know, so there's some genuineness there that I like. The thing that strikes me in this minute, you know, just talking about writing letters, like this is saving Private Ryan. You know, and it feels like, I mean, it's a good comparison, I guess. Yeah. What I understand is he says, like, I, I, I've signed more of these than I'd care to count. So it's been a lot. And then he's like, yeah, "Yeah, that your friend's name sounds familiar. I can't believe you just brought that up. That is my complaint. But I Mm. didn't want to bring it up first because Andy would make fun of me. (laughs) I have a grammatical complaint. Introduce the grammatical complaint horn. (laughs) So the word but introduces a clause that is contrasting that which came before. What I expect in this sentence is I've signed a lot of these condolences. Have you heard this? Do you know where Bucky Barnes is? I have signed a lot of these condolence letters today. The name and the name does sound familiar, right? Yeah. But says I have been in I have been engrossed in these letters today, but contrasting that the name does not sound familiar. This right. is a bonkers construction that makes no sense to my brain <laughs> since the day it was released the first yeah. time I saw it. But is the wrong damn word and should be stricken from the record. Well, I think the for several times watching this, because Tommy Lee Jones has enough of a, I mean, he ha- clearly has like a an accent, you know, kind of a southern drawl. Mm-hmm. And so he's a little bit of a, a mumbler. So I could almost hear... But the name doesn't doesn't sound familiar. Like you, you can almost it, hear that like would. But the name be, doesn't sound familiar. So, but uh, then he says, "I'm sorry." That, yeah, is he? But if it, if that's the case, he's either I'm sorry. It doesn't sound familiar. I don't know. But that's certainly not what I'm getting from this scene. What I'm getting is I'm sorry. My condolences to you too. Right. Right. Because Steve then responds with, "Well, what about the others?" Uh, yeah. yeah. So that would then imply that he did. Imp- that he died. Yeah. <laughs> well, he inferred. The, sorry, inferred. Sorry, inferred. Yes. <laughs> There's also the read, and I don't think it 
puts Colonel Phillips in a good light of where I have signed so many of these condolence letters that I don't remember a single name from them. Which I think is the intent that they're going for. I, I really do. I But it ends up coming across like, well, Phillips, you know, there are a bunch of soldiers that have lost their lives in this war. You know, you you should care. You know, it ends up kind of making him feel, you know, I don't know. It, it doesn't paint him in as good a light. It doesn't. If you're being gracious to Phillips, then it's grammatically strange. Yeah. If you're not and Phillips is is, you know, not doing his duty as the leader of men then the it does it makes more sense that they're going for but it's still muddy it's just a muddy idea yeah 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 his name is bucky uh that would stand out to me (laughs) right (laughs) yeah right (laughs) interestingly in the script this has happened a few times where they actually have um alternate lines that i've never seen that in a script where they actually have one line and then they have an alternate read and I, i my guess is that they had the actor read both of them and then they decided in the edit which one do we want to go with the other option of this line and i want to know your thoughts on the two options i've signed more condolence letters today than i'd care to count or i've written more letters to more mothers than i care to count preference do you like the one that we stuck with I like the one we stuck with. I think the other would feel even like feel too much like saving Private Ryan for me. Like bringing up yeah. the mothers, yeah, very specifically. Yeah, that's just too wordy. I like condolence letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't it's, like condolence letters. I mean, I like condolence. you don't I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I love condolence letters. Are you kidding me? <laughs> In the show notes, we will include Robin's uh, address so you can send him your own condolence letters. Generic condolence letters letters welcome. Uh, Yeah, send them to each of my daughters, actually, because uh, they need it. I am sorry for your father. (laughs) Some some all-star dad. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So that's the start of this minute. We have this uh, this moment here. And, you know, it does feel genuine. I do like it. Uh, I like that it does feel like Phillips does stop a moment because I think what he's recognizing is that Steve isn't coming and talking to him and giving him orders like barking at him like a junkyard dog. He is very specifically, you know, a, a human who is like desperate to find out information about a lost friend or potentially lost friend. And I think that there's that moment there that I actually genuinely like between Phillips and Steve that we just don't see very often. And, yeah, you know, Phillips never rarely lets his guard down, but this is one of those moments. Well, and then between Phillips rejecting Steve, you know, a couple minutes or maybe a week ago, and this scene, and especially what's coming up in a, in a few moments, it just makes me so angry that Phillips doesn't see the potential with Steve, you know, he wanted obviously he wanted a, a whole bunch of soldiers. Yeah. But this one would be useful, you know. Like have you seen what he can do with a motorcycle? I think yeah. this is really frustrating <laughs> because uh it is always felt sort of like unearned antagonism on the part mm, of Phillips. Yeah. This is a a weakness in the character. There is no justification for him to be so bullheaded from my perspective in the audience that there is this it's like this sort of all or nothing thinking that is unwarranted. Willful ignorance. Yeah. Right, right. That you have one. Let's go ahead and see what it can do. And uh, rather than just sort of bullheadedly sign more condolence letters. Yeah, I think he's more disappointed than Peggy. I think that he 
got his unit involved in this SSR thing, dealt with Erskine, set the experiment up, and then all of it went to heck. And then he lost he lost this kid who he was told to believe in by Peggy and by Erskine. Like he did he was just like, Oh, this cutie idiot, you know? He lost him to like Hollywood glitz or whatever. You know, it's just like, oh wow, he's not even, you know, he's not even fighting against this. Yeah. Yeah, because his his intentions were to send him to Alamogordo, where presumably they would do experiments on him, figure out what they could do with his blood, extract it, and be able to make more super soldiers. So perhaps that was kind of his goal. Is like, you know, if there's a way to get more of you, that's what I'd rather have than just one of you. Yeah, I can understand that. I don't know. The The thing is, and, you know, perhaps this is why when I first saw this, I, I struggled with the film a bit. And we've talked a lot about the nature of this story, not being one about a protagonist who's going to go through a dramatic character arc over the course of the story, but a character as your central character who is a resolute character. And if anything, only grows stronger in their resolution over the course of the story and changes others along the way. And Phillips is really the change character in this story. He is the one who doesn't believe in him from the beginning and over the course of the film will start buying into him. But perhaps moments like this are the reason that it is kind of a it's it's a tricky uh, journey for us to take on the film with him because it's like, why? Like it it does feel uh, very contrived that he is so forcibly against Steve participating in this way. Yeah, no, I 100 uh, percent. A hundred percent. And I, I and that's a that's a thing I struggle with um, because it's, again, unearned and it makes his turn later. Um, really, I love it because it's Tommy Lee Jones, but not for many other not for yeah. any other sort of character <laughs> reasons. Yeah, yeah and that's I, I, that's where we are. So, I, I mean, I guess we'll continue to watch his journey over the course of the film. But at this point, it's feeling like. You're just you're just being you know you're there's not a lot of logic for your position at this point, right? Although Andy, can can I jump ahead to a, a, the script versus movie comparison because I think this is kind of important in this Peggy's alt line is important in this discussion. Sure, sure. So Peggy has this line as a reminder to Phillips, right when he's talking about cap sir rogers is only on loan to the uso officially he's still ssr that i think is interesting and i think that actually would have made the scene interesting and it further would have cemented why she's there in the first place and why there's all this conflict between the three of them rogers carter and phillips how do you two read that line it definitely would flat out cement that the ssr is still an operating thing. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like she is pulling some strings here too. Yeah. And it makes, it does. It makes <laughs> yeah. me wonder why they pulled that line out because it would have added clarity and without it, it's it. Well, <laughs> it's removed clarity. I have nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one of those lines that uh, it's, it's a single line. Like why would they, why would they take that out? It does yeah. feel like something that could have actually benefited the story, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, we have this argument between Phillips and Steve uh, now that Steve has kind of moved past Bucky rather quickly, I will say, um, <laughs> and wants to do a rescue mission. And there's this argument between the two of them about Steve just being a chorus girl 
and uh, Phillips is just going to win the war, and that's how the, he's going to rescue all these troops over there. We get a picture of a map. Steve stares at this map of uh, the line and where this Hydra base is, and we get a sense very quickly as, uh, you know, Phillips says, you've got some place to be in 30 minutes. He says, yes, sir, I do. And looks at the map and walks out. And we get a great reaction of Peggy. This is, again, why I think that Peggy clearly did not have this intention by coming here. She seems rather surprised by Steve walking out like this. Uh, how does yeah. all of this play for, for you three? Yeah, it's good. She just have a look at Oh, man, what did I do? <laughs> I did not mean to do that. Yeah. But then, it, it, so ultimately, what was her plan or motivation, you know, it still makes her role here confusing because if she, if she had cracked a, a, just a slight smile when Steve left, it'd be like, oh, finally, you know, he's, he's getting in, into the fight. Absolutely. But she doesn't. She seems surprised by it. So it, again, what did you want Steve to do? So I, it's a hard character to read for me in these scenes. It makes what what I loved those three. The, I love the minutes prior because the setup is so good. Yeah, and then the the sort of dramatic punchline here is so weak, right? It just ends on a whimper. I I want her to have more agency and strength over the course of these minutes, but it has to end, like you said, with a like a knowing smirk or a smile or a, I got what I wanted kind of a look, and we just don't get that. Or how much better would it have been? And, and- with with the way Phillips and Peggy are positioned here, he's looking down at notes or you know, he's behind her doing something else. How great would it have been for her to crack a smile and for him to say, wipe that smile off your face? <laughs> right. Is there a case to be made that the look that's on her face is actually, well, I did get what I wanted, but now I'm terrified about the outcome yet to come? And that could be concern yeah. for Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these things, I think, are are they could be performative nuance that you know the that Haley Atwell is is going for something that I'm not getting. It's certainly not really in the script. No, no. If and she does something that Phillips catches on to, though, like Steve wouldn't have much of a head start. I mean, he's Captain America, he have quite a head start. But you know, I'm just saying that Army would be right after him. He is a head start. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. But going back to the the whole chorus girl line is so mean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it it's so mean. Yeah, he's giving him the details. And, you know, the hard tr- – we're going to lose more men trying to rescue these guys than, you know. And then it's just like, I don't expect you to understand because you're a chorus girl. It's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. thought he was talking on the level with him and then it's just like, yeah, yeah you're still like inferior to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the this is the ultimate sort of script rug pull that, that because we just had a minute where Steve was talking about how much shame he carries because – He's a chorus monkey. Yeah. And to have that line used against him so quickly is, uh, I think, just really tight writing. It keeps the the sort of insult right together and uh, uh, with the setup. And I think it just it really plays. And I think with military call outs of, of calling men uh, ladies. Yeah. Tinkerbell. This is the next one. So this it counts. Yeah. 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 Chorus girl. This is the next one. I don't know. Five ish somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> as far as our ladies count. My the biggest surprise for me in this minute is the line. Well, then I understand it somewhere. Then understand it somewhere else. If I read the posters correctly, you've got some place to be in thirty minutes. And until today, I always heard post its, and I have wondered. 
were post-its really around in the 40s? You guys, they <laughs> no. totally weren't. The line is posters, and post-its were invented in 1977. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Yeah, that nobody needed or asked for. Uh, except for you. Well, I thought you were going to ask right. where they hang in posters in this camp, because I don't know if right. there's some billboards around like, hey, while you're in Italy. Yeah, right. No kidding. Check out right. the USO tour. <laughs> <laughs> All the soldiers saw them as they were running back yeah. from the Hydra death out in the field. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about the map. Travis, did you have something about the map? Just wondering if Steve has a photographic memory, because he'll look at this map, and then the next map that I can recall him looking at is when he's at the Hydra base, and then he indicates you know, to the SSR, like... Here's where everything was that I saw. Only got a quick glance, but I don't know if that's what's what he's doing here. Is he looking at this map and and memorizing everything? I don't know. Yeah, the, there have been a lot of uh, things online about stuff like this, and and uh, this is one of the things that they say was also enhanced as part of uh, what he had, like the the ability to remember all of this, all of these details. Uh, very quickly. And so he looks at this map and probably, yeah, he probably instantly remembers, you know, where all of these different things are. Where's the line? Where's the Hydra base, et cetera, et cetera. So number one, he's an artist. Number two, photographic memory. We'll get to the super soldier stuff. Right. So far, (laughs) we've clocked two enhanced abilities. Well, in in the comics, he definitely didn't have the super strength and, and most of those abilities kind of early on but he was like in the in the marvel comics universe he had he was the most brilliant strategic mind you know he could formulate a battle plan better than any anybody so i think that kind of makes sense that he would be able to look at a map he would look at all the pieces on the board and and know how to fit things together to make the best outcome yeah the map is interesting. Uh, it's a map of the Alps. We're seeing Austria and the Italy border here largely. Uh, and you see a line along the map pinned in as far as where the front is. You see a couple British flags that I'm assuming that's where the Brits are. And that's why I was wondering the uh, in one of the other minutes, um, did Peggy come from one of these uh, camps or did she fly down all the way from London? I'm not sure. And there are two U.S. flags on here. Uh, one is uh, just north of Udine. Italy and the other is kind of uh, it's right near a mountain peak uh, and is like Gross Glockner, I believe is how uh, you say it. So that's uh, where the other uh, base is. And then the Hydra base is in from there and kind of a little little northeast from there. I was trying to, you know, over in the um, uh, over on the Marvel Location Scout, we've uh, uh, the page. We've talked about that as far as the Austrian Alps, where this Hydra headquarters is. I was trying to map, like, based on the front line, they're about five miles from the front. Uh, Philip says it, the base is about 30 miles in, mm. and so that puts them about 35 miles. Uh, according to the what we're looking at here, I was trying to map it out. It looks like it's probably closer to 100 miles, um, you know, not necessarily as the crow flies, so maybe 80 miles. I don't know. I think Phillips is a little off, but also it's, you know, it's, a, it's an old map. It's hard to pinpoint a lot of specifics from it, but... Um, that's kind of what we're looking at here. He doesn't have his reading glasses on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Steve doesn't need glasses. He's got super eyes. Oh, right? I met Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> looking over his newspaper, you know. <laughs> right. Right. The H stands for Hydra, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the big H. 
That's and that's the base. That's that's the right in the middle of the Alps that we've been looking at. Uh, anything else about this map this minute? Anything uh, with Tommy Lee Jones or anything else from the week? Or should we jump into your favorite Captain America moments? It's amazing. Like I'm looking at the 3D map of it, and I think I really can see the Hydra Bay window. <laughs> well, this is uncanny. I I told you they left it there. Yeah, I know you you had already figured that out. That's impressive. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we already, uh, Travis, you already told us what your favorite Captain America yeah. moment is. Uh, Robin, of yes. the films, the comics, all the all the content that's out there, there's a glut. What would you say is your favorite Captain America moment? All right. So there's the favorite heroic moment, and then there's the favorite funny moment. And I'm sure both have already been addressed. I mean, we're nearly an hour into this film. Uh, I'd say one of my favorite heroic moments is the stand up and cheer moment in Infinity War when the train goes by and there's Cap and the theme, mm. it's either Cap's theme or the Avengers theme kicks in and you're like, yes! And it, like he catches that spear or something. Such a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, it's probably because I watched Infinity War recently, but uh, my other my funniest moment is, of course, I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I have so many favorite cat moments, but like I did talk about my actual favorite, but I mean, so many moments in Endgame. Uh, but when he hands off the shield to to Sam, gets me oh. every time. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, on your left. Stuff. He yeah. says, on your left. Yeah. That- yeah. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, there are so many, and that's why it's always interesting. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of a lot of great moments that Cap has had in the films and in the comics and everything. So, well, uh, both of you, it has been a thrill to have you join us all week yeah. to talk about Captain America. Thank you both so much. Absolutely, totally. Uh, last time, remind everybody what they should be checking out that you are busy working on. I'll say check out Real Comic Heroes. That's my comic book movie review podcast. It's real with two E's. And uh, yeah, just just check it out. We go uh, in release order through a big list of comic book movies and just uh, review them one at a time. Fantastic. Robin? Uh, Yeah, you can catch me at Karate Kid Minute. Um, do something fun with it. Like, listen to it backwards. You know, who knows? You might pick up some messages. I don't know. Maybe me going, help me. Uh, you know. Well, is that backwards, like the whole thing backwards, or does it mean start at like, like the white movie, album, man? Movie yes. episode 125, Robin and then do minute 124, dead. 123. You can do both. You can do both. <laughs> That's what's so crazy. Is Karate Kid forward? It's also Karate Kid backward. <laughs> You didn't Whoa. know. Wait a second. You heard it here first. Dick, uh, no. <laughs> All right. Just, well, I check... do that just to make you say it out loud. That's really yeah. the only. All right. Sorry. He was looking for another descant moment. Right. <laughs> didn't get it. <laughs> well, check out the links. Uh, they will be in our show notes, everybody. And uh, we will be back next week uh, where we will be hitting the one hour mark. So um, looking forward to that. Pete, thanks as always. No, Andy. I'm a chorus boy. (laughs) Until next time, true believers.
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Spread the News by Anthony Vega. And this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show.